With an honest and candid admission, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I'm just a sheep. I can't solve the world's problems. And there's many problems even within the congregation I cannot solve. I don't know, but I know a shepherd and he cares for us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's well said, it's not what you know, but who you know. And if you know the Lord who knows it all, well, then you're covered. You see, He is a good shepherd. And that comes to our attention today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in a series called With. And as we conclude Psalm 23, learning not only the blessing of knowing the Lord, but Him knowing us. And as a result, He provides the care and discipline we need. Picking up on that point, Here's Pastor Ed. When at last the lamb was again able to walk on its own, because of the bonding that took place during the time of the shepherd carrying it and bringing it back to healing, it never again wandered. And that's a sweet picture of a shepherd with its sheep. Not only does the rod comfort me, but the Lord loves me with that rod. He uses that rod on you and me as well to bring brokenness into our lives. He uses the rod to discipline us. And when you think of the word discipline, I want you also to think of the word training. That there is pain that God will use in our lives to train us. And he will also use pain in our lives. Not only bring pain, but use pain in our lives to train us. Because the Bible teaches us, if God doesn't discipline us, then we wouldn't be his kids. Discipline is training. And sometimes the Lord has to break the leg, if you will, to keep us from straying away and destroying our lives. Letting the consequences of our sins bring us to a place of halting. Bring us to a place of coming to the end of ourselves so that we might return to the Lord. And as we do return to the Lord, there's a bonding that takes place. Many times that correction will come through another brother or another sister that God will use to train us and to humble us. What we might interpret as embarrassment is actually not embarrassment at all. It is an opportunity to be humbled and to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God if we've made a mistake or if we've erred in our ways. I can think of many, many, many times where God has used a brother or a sister, or my wife, or my kids, to bring great discipline into my lives, to bring a word of correction, to bring a word of rebuke. One I remember very early on in ministry. I was serving as the children's ministry coordinator, serving alongside and under my pastor. His name is Rudy. Rudy is the pastor still today of the children's ministry. And on a Wednesday night, we would have about 300 kids come out and all the teachers filled with the whole back uh, area of our church building. 
And I would serve him, and I would help him oversee, and I'd check in all the classes, and I'd count the number of kids that were there, and make sure the teachers had. It was a wonderful opportunity to serve, and I've counted a great privilege. On one occasion, Pastor Rudy was going on vacation, and he asked me, and I thought it was an amazing thing that he asked me, he said, well, I, I would like you to oversee the ministry while I'm away. And I said, of course, I'd love to do that. And I would like you to oversee the ministry the way I would oversee it as if I was here. He didn't want me to make any changes. He wanted it to be as regular as possible while he was gone. And I said, absolutely. And so I showed up that Wednesday night and I oversaw. I unlocked the gates. I unlocked the door. I hung the signs. I got the curriculum. And I came and served. And as I was doing my rounds... There was an unruly child in one of the classrooms. The teacher called me in. I ended up removing that child, taking him back to the resource room. We had a couple of chairs there where children that didn't want to cooperate in class would sit there until the end of the service with adults watching them until the end of the service. And then when his parents came back, the parents had to come and pick them up personally, which is what happened. The service ended, the parents came in, they were a little upset, so I took them into an empty classroom, I ministered to them, we talked to them. I personally thought it went really well. I prayed for them, they went home, I closed up, and then I went home, and then it was a few days after Pastor Rudy got back from vacation that I got a phone call, and he wasn't super angry, but he wasn't super happy either. And he says, Ed, what did you do? And I said, what do you mean, what did I do? Uh, what happened on that Wednesday? I said, well, it was great. Everything was great, wonderful. It was exactly as you wanted it. And he says, no, it wasn't exactly as I wanted it. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, something happened with the family. I said, yeah, something happened, but it was a great, it was, nothing happened. It was great. I prayed with them. We handled it. We took care of it. And he says, no, you didn't take care of it. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, what happened is that family was really mad at me and they weren't happy with the way things went and they didn't like it. They blamed me for whatever their kids did and they called Pastor Jeff to complain about that young guy that there's not even a pastor there on Wednesday night. They just let anybody run children's ministry and it was a mess. And I made it worse by not telling Pastor Rudy because he had trained me well. He trained me to communicate well with him and to tell him of anything that, I, that happened and to report to him everything. But, but since I thought I handled it well, I didn't think it was something he needed to know about. And he, in no uncertain terms, told me that I made a big mistake. And he doesn't want me to make those kind of mistakes. He wants me to do what he asked me to do, the way he asked me to do it. And if that was our relationship was going to continue and he was going to trust me, I needed to learn how to do things the way he wanted to do them. And the big lesson was, and I still share this with the guys here today too, because I totally get where he was coming from. He told me this, I don't want to hear from someone else what I should have heard from you. I'm like, whoa, you're right. Our line of communication is first together. Even if I don't think, even whatever I think, I still should tell you so you're not blindsided and you know that you don't have to dig out of a hole that I somehow created. And, and it was a hard word. It was so hard that I, I was thinking about quitting. I was thinking about maybe this isn't for me. 
Maybe I don't know what, I mean, I knew I didn't know what I was doing, but I thought I did everything. I mean, it was one of those things where I thought I did everything right, and then I made this mistake, and I'm like, well, I don't, maybe this, I'm not cut out for ministry. Maybe I'm not. But the Lord was ministering to my heart. He didn't want me to quit. He wanted me to learn. He wanted me to humble myself. He wanted me to acknowledge that I don't know everything, and I'll never know everything, and that God would put people, God wanted me to know he's going to put people in my life that are going to train me, disciple me, and discipline me. Discipline me, correct me. And I love that about the shepherd. And every good shepherd in your life, every good under shepherd, part of his ministry, as much as you don't like it, part of his ministry will be discipline in your life. It'll be correction. And we ought to be ready to receive it so that we can grow in God's grace and God's knowledge. God wants me to continually be broken before him. In Psalm 51, verse 17, listen, it says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Brokenness, God is attracted to humility and brokenness. The rod and the staff are very comforting to us. Verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. After leaving the Valley of Shadows, we head out back into the highlands. And there my shepherd takes care of me and feeds me. Shepherds, they know, they go out ahead and they scout out the land and survey the highlands looking for a place of nourishment. And the table here is not a normal table, but it has the picture of a table of a king. That in the midst of predators, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of enemies, we have a shepherd that's there for us. Even as here in your church fellowship, you have under shepherds that are here for you. They are committed to you, to take care of you, to set up tables where you might enjoy a meal while you're protected and guarded. That there are people that would love to take advantage of you, false teachers, false teachings, people that would want to take from you, not give to you. People that would come to this church to pray on you, not pray with you. You get it? Pray, P-R-E-Y, to take advantage of you, not to pray with you. And so we as shepherds, under shepherds, we're to watch out for the wolves in sheep's clothing. We're to watch out for your lives. The Bible says that we're overseers of your souls. Now, if that's a relationship that God has given to us as humans, can you think of how good and how perfect and how well the good shepherd takes care of you? and oversees you. Notice what he does. He anoints our heads with oil. The shepherd would anoint the sheep's head with oil because oil would be used as an ointment to bring healing to the wounds. Oil would be used as a lubricant to help minimize the friction between the sheep as they would butt heads with one another. It was also used as a repellent to protect from insects and keep a sheep calm. And you know as well as I do, Bible students, that oil in the Bible is often representative of the Holy Spirit. It's a type and a picture of the Holy Spirit. Can you picture for a moment the good shepherd pouring out his Holy Spirit upon you and upon me to heal, to reduce friction, to deal with pests, and just to cover us so that our cup would run over. It would be overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. Would you hold your places here in Psalm? Go over to Galatians chapter 5 with me. I believe the spiritual 
application of this is a beautiful insight from Galatians chapter 5 that as, as our good shepherd anoints us with oil, the result is a tremendous outpouring of his spirit as we bear the fruit and the characteristics of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice with me in chapter 5 of Galatians verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And drop down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is so sweet. The Lord anoints us with oil so that we can be gentle to one another, loving and kind, that we could love each other in the name of Jesus Christ. He pours oil over us so that we might get along with each other and be that strong force in the world that so desperately needs Jesus. When we are biting one another, devouring one another, criticizing one another, hypercritical, finger-pointing, sin-sniffing, we are not a true representation of the love of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. You might win an argument. You might beat down another believer. You might take your Bible and use it as a sword to cut another brother down, but you are not representing the oil that you need. If that's you, listen, you don't need another YouTube video. You don't need another opinion. You need to be broken before the Lord and the oil of the Spirit of God to be poured upon. Your cup is empty, you criticizer. Your cup is empty, you complainer. Your cup is empty, you that is living in the flesh. You know, I'm telling you, we all get to a place of empty cups in the flesh. It's not just you, it's we. And when our cup is empty, oh, how the shepherd is going to pour the oil of the Spirit of God upon our lives, that he would give us a fresh anointing. Remember what, what Paul wrote, he says, Be ye filled. Don't be drunk with wine. That's an easy one. He says, no, instead, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Be ye continually filled. Fill me up, Lord, because I get so empty. And this whole thing, it's, I'm sure there's just an emptiness, you know? This whole thing, it's like, man, Lord, I just need to be filled because I'm tired of it. And whatever, you fill in the blanks. I'm tired of it. But that's what he does. He pours out his oil. He anoints us. And so that our cup would run over, verse 5. A sheep and his good shepherd. Wow. Verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, speaking of the sovereign grace of God in his life. This is David's claim to fame. This is how, he's, this is how David, he, he becomes one of the, one of the top two of Bible verses in all of his human history, here's his claim to fame. It's not as a king. It's not as a warrior. It's not in any of the things that we know David for. What his claim to fame is, is David as a sheep enjoying his shepherd. <laughs> of all the things we want to be known for, all the things we want to have a lasting legacy, may it be us being good sheep 
trusting our good shepherd. Because we've done nothing to deserve the grace of God. All we are is sheep. And we've done nothing to deserve where we are or what we have or what we get to do. But God has, through the shepherd, surrounded us with goodness and mercy. And everywhere we go, goodness and mercy follow us. Isn't that great? Because I can see a stark contrast in my life. Before I was born again, I'm telling you, goodness and mercy did not follow me. What followed me was death and destruction, and difficulty, and hardship. And what I mean by following me, not just surrounding me personally, but everybody that I loved, and everybody that cared for me, more so everybody that loved me, everyone that cared about me. Mercy and goodness didn't follow me because I didn't follow the shepherd of mercy and goodness. Anytime you and I choose to look to our good shepherd filled with mercy and grace toward us, it's going to follow us. We follow the shepherd and his attributes follow us. I love that. And before we head out, I want to share with you four things in summary. Just four simple things that would encourage you from this psalm. And I hope you jot them down. Number one, because my shepherd is in control, I can rest. Because my shepherd is in control, I can rest. When the temptation to get stressed out comes and the pressures of life push in, I can surrender my agendas and my plans in him and rest. Jot it down in 1 Chronicles twenty-two eighteen. Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you rest on every side? Of course, this was spoken to in a time of war. It was spoken to in a time of the victories of God. But how much more in the spiritual realm has God given us rest from our enemies all around? Number one, he, he's in control, I can rest. Number two, because my shepherd cares, I can give him my burdens. Because my shepherd cares, I can give him my burdens. I have found that burdens have a tendency to fill up my hands, fill up my arms, and for me personally, fill up my mind. Where I can be somewhere physically, but, but mentally I'm somewhere else. Because I happen to be a worrier or a fretter. Or I, I have a, a keen ability to take something so small and in my mind blow it up to astronomical proportions. But as I remember that Jesus is my good shepherd and he cares for me, I can send my cares no matter what the size are to him. And a lot of times we can't even embrace those we love because we're carrying around so many burdens and cares in our lives. This psalm allows us to release our burdens to the Lord. I'm just a sheep. I can't solve the world's problems. And there's many problems even within the congregation I cannot solve. I don't know. But I know a shepherd. And he cares for us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Thirdly, because my shepherd loves me, I trust him to guide my life. He's in control, I rest. He cares, I give. He loves, I trust. My shepherd knows me personally because he became like me. Some 2,000 years ago, the shepherd became a sheep. God came in human flesh. He became a man was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. You see, Jesus had to die because we are all sinners in need of forgiveness. And Jesus knows what you go through. He knows the ups and downs. And that qualifies him to run my life. 
and order my steps and guide my path. It's only in the shepherd's care that I find the quietness and calmness that I so desperately want when tough times come my way. Let me give you a fourth one. And this just came to me yesterday as I was teaching. As you review Psalm 23, you see in each verse a sense of staying put, of staying in one place, staying close to the shepherd. You know, the first one is just acknowledging he's your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, so I'm close to him. He makes me lie down. That means to stay put, makes me lie down. I can't move. He says that even though I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil because you are with me. There's a close proximity. You're with me. I won't fear. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me. Now, in order to have a table and eat, I've got to sit down and stay in one place at the table of the shepherd. In verse 6, it says that goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. Therefore, I will dwell in the house of the Lord, once again, staying put. I believe David tuned into something with the shepherd long before the good shepherd ever taught us. And let me just read it to you in John 15, because I want to read the whole verse to you. John 15, in verse 4. So David's already telling us, stay put, stay put, dwell, don't move, stay close to the shepherd. That's, your, that's my safest place. That's the only place I'm supposed to be in life is close to the shepherd. And what does Jesus say? I love this. Abide in me. This is John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Stay put, stay put, stay put. Don't run away. Don't quit. Don't turn to the left or to the right. How many times that's taught to us in the scriptures. The best place on the planet earth is to be found hidden in Christ and stay close to him. Have you committed your life to Jesus Christ? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you trusted him for your salvation? Have you received his forgiveness? Do you walk and live in his strength today? Do you look to him for help, for hope? Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus also said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And God is inviting you into a relationship with him right now. And I want to encourage you, if you for the very first time are ready to dedicate your life to following God, to surrender your life, to repent of your sins for salvation, I want you to do that right now. And I believe there are some listening in that need to make a commitment of rededication, that you would turn back to the Lord and stop messing around. Stop messing around in your mind Stop messing around in your marriage. Stop messing around in your singleness. Stop messing around at work and get serious about the things of God and come back to him in dedicated, committed surrender to your shepherd. And I want you to do that now. Pray with me, would you? You can pray something along these lines. You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I pray to you, God, my Savior, and I surrender my life to you today. I believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again for me. 
and I want to follow him all the days of my life. Amen. And amen. If you prayed that prayer to receive the Lord or to come back to the Lord, would you let us know? That would brighten our day. You can contact us through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And you're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. His message is called, We Have a Good Shepherd, Part 2. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. We've just released Pastor Ed's new book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We all suffer and experience pain, and maybe for you that's been at an all-time high in recent months. God stands ready to help us when we experience a troubled heart. Perhaps you've experienced a deep grief or a painful trial recently, or know of someone who has. I know you'll be blessed and encouraged as you read God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We'll send you a copy with our thanks when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we begin another year of delivering God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. One other thing you might want to check out if you're in the midst of grief or suffering is Pastor Ed's blog. He shares raw thoughts on life, ministry, and grief at edtaylor.org. Thank you for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.